0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective, and it is election day. If you live in the States and uh, the entire world is watching with hold, held, hurt something breath. We're We're all
1: scared. That's what Brad's trying to say.
0: I'm excited. I love this type of year, even though it's only once every four years. Um, I personally quite enjoy the spectacle of it um i generally
1: like politics unless my life is on the line in a place where i can't vote
0: (laughs) fair fair (laughs) but if you haven't already and i mean it's kind of pointless to say on the cast now because by the time this is out and released uh there won't be as many opportunities to vote so there won't
1: be any unless you are super quick with the editing Like you need to be like lightning fast. You just need to like not edit this. Don't matter that we've been talking for five out of thirty minutes before, and it's all recorded. Just immediately throw it onto Spotify, and uh, people people might be able to catch up and then run to a poll booth, vote booth. All right, go
0: vote, go vote. Let's do it. Vote, do it. If you did, you know, good for you. If you didn't, um, I hope you have a good reason. Uh, Voting is pretty easy. Now, to be fair. It is a pain how it is you know done here in the States. Uh, you have to register to vote and you have to kind of go through all the, you know, it, again, it doesn't take long to register, but they put hoops in front of you to go through to make sure you can do it. Where I'm sure for you, Alex, over in the Netherlands, you just kind of go vote. Yeah. Yeah. So I just
1: yeah. walk into a nearby secondary school, which is a five minute walk. And then two minutes later, I'm out and I voted. And I have yeah. voted for numerous things. It's never been any different. But we were trying to make an episode that is kind of timeless, which is the subject we're going into today. And we immediately start talking about current events. So, perfect. So there will probably be some chatter at the start of the video, maybe like a cut-in from Brad, or I was telling you, like, please skip the first five minutes if you're watching this, like, next year.
0: If you're watching this at any point other than near 2020, or listening to this at any point other than the year 2020, please skip ahead to four minutes and 32 seconds into your podcast, and we can hear us talk about other things besides politics. Also, good job surviving 2020. Uh... And if you didn't oh, survive 2020, then you're dead, and there's no way you could be listening to this podcast anyway. So, fuck you, I guess, because you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> what are they gonna do what are they gonna do (laughs) nothing nothing okay okay quick quick side thing i went on a trip to uh savannah georgia with my family one year and it was actually a blast i I think savannah is an amazing place if you're ever in the states whether you live here or not and you have the opportunity to go check out savannah georgia it's really cool it's uh, one of the most top 10 haunted places in the entire country so a lot of cool like ghost story type of thing available to you uh, and one of the largest cemeteries in the country is in Savannah, Georgia. Now, I went to the cemetery, and I spent easily over the three days we were three or four days we were there. I should know it was actually about a week. It's about six, seven days. Um, I spent probably two to three hours per day at that cemetery, just walking around because it's it's so nice to walk. It's so big, and like there are some amazing, giant, over the top tombstones and headstones and stuff like that. And anyway there are some sections where they're all kind of bunched together. So a lot of them kind of have rows where it's, you have like sort of like pseudo walkways, like grass. You can get to like the correct gravestone. If you want to like, you know, visit your dead grandma or whatever. Um, but there are some parts where it's not all spread out and they're kind of like overlapping one another. They're pretty close together. So I would just walk through the cemetery my family would try to walk around these grave sites and avoid them. I would walk literally straight over top of them and just right through it. My dad was like telling me, You're you really shouldn't be doing that. You're you're gonna like upset, like you're gonna like piss off the dead, basically, is what he was saying. Cause my family is pretty, you know, religious. Uh not necessarily, you know, me, I guess, but they are. So they believe in the spirit thing, so like that. So he was saying you're going to piss off the dead by walking over the graves. And I was like, I looked at it, I'm like, they're dead. They don't care. They truly don't care.
1: I don't, I don't know how it is in the States, but I want to very quickly add before we start. Is it common for you folks to like, once you're buried, you just stay buried? No questions. Because yeah. we actually have like in the Netherlands due to a um, I think it's legitimately due to a lack of space. We actually, like, unless you pay, like, real good money, your grave eventually gets, like, cleared. And depending on how to deal with it, I think sometimes they just dig a bit deeper, and then they throw the boat. They just have the bones, and so they kind of just shove it even deeper into the ground,
0: and then they just put new graves <laughs> on top. Like... <laughs> I'm sorry, Timmy. You can't afford rent this month. I'm gonna <laughs> shove you deeper into the hole. That is effectively
1: what it is. Yes. <laughs> Until because uh, you're not in, you you're, you would no longer be like in a coffin. So eventually, your bones would just be like dissolved chill. too, and then you're just gone. Because we we can't yeah. we can't really keep you forever here. Because we'd be kind of like half this country would be a grave by now.
0: I mean, look. In the grand scheme of things, when I'm dead, you can do whatever you want to my corpse, bones, body, whatever. I am dead. I literally could not be the furthest thing from giving a shit. (laughs) What you do to me, I am literally dead. I have zero use for it anymore. (laughs) Do what you want. Dig it up. I don't
1: care. But let's get into the main subject. Maybe we could even question if this should be cut out. Because it's a bit yeah. grim, and it's a bit current. Is it current? It's just dead things. <laughs> well, it's first politics, and then we keep talking about death, which is kind of a ever-going theme, too, at this point. in, time. I'm saying
0: it with a lot of
1: joy behind my voice. so That doesn't make it any better. Um, all right, so to finally get into our timeless episode that is not as timeless now, we wanted to talk about, because... We we didn't really have to do a meta analysis today, mostly because we we see the decks right. And again, as I said before, the meta is super diverse. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But we thought this would be a good time to do a sort of a more time timeless episode, and it's going to be just about getting into Pioneer. So why would you play Pioneer? Uh, kind of understanding the format, like conceptually um and then we're gonna look from a couple of perspectives so to just give a quick rundown we're gonna say what if you're new to magic right maybe you haven't been into magic for a very long time there's a good chance you've probably played some because it's hard to get into pioneer first like you're probably going to see it through arena or something but maybe by the time you're listening to this and it's like a year later we have pioneer on arena and you felt like immediately jumping into that well here's your starting point uh, then we're going to talk about coming from other formats, which is mainly going to be standard and modern, because that's where like our expertise is, and that's sort of where the relevancy is. Because uh, like, coming from Limited, I don't have much to say. Coming from Commander is weird, uh, just because it's such a different format, and I don't play enough Legacy or Vintage to give a perspective.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're going to be coming from Legacy or Vintage to Pioneer. That seems a very strange
1: yeah, most people go. who play Legacy have probably so, but it could be. I know someone who played Legacy and went to play Pioneer uh, eventually until Inverter happened and they haven't really been back. But if you're playing Vintage,
0: you have so much disposable Money. income. <laughs>
1: yeah. You, <laughs> well, you, you can play Moto, but. Uh, yeah. So I think we might as well start, right? Keep this intro short and sweet. Yeah, of course. And we're going to talk to why would you want to get into Pioneer? Now, how about you start, Brad? Why, why, why do you, why does a person want to get into Pioneer, you think?
0: So let's say, and I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but let's say a lot of the easiest way to approach coming to Pioneer, you, most people would be coming from Standard. That's probably the majority of the player base that plays Pioneer is where their origins will be. So I think you take a look at non-ortating format right? And like, why do you want to quit standard? Why do you want to take a step away from standard? Well, rotation sucks. You put a lot of money into decks and then you're like, okay, well now my deck is useless and uh, Historic is only a thing on Arena and Historic is its own weird thing anyway, so you want to play a more not sanctioned, because Historic is oddly sanctioned by Wizards, but like an actual real paper Eternal format. So your options are Pioneer, Modern, Legacy vintage and, 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 a, and a, in a sense, EDH. But if we're just talking constructed, then those four I just mentioned. Vintage, like I said, we made the joke, we made it before. It, it's so expensive. You have to have such a disposable income because those decks can literally be $30,000. Yeah. Like that's absolutely I mean, this
1: absurd. Is, this is talking from the paper perspective. Like if, but even yes. if we talk about vintage online, vintage is just a very different format like vintage yeah. is super broken by design right so when i think of vintage i don't really think of normal magic i seriously consider vintage a different game like it's seriously just not even magic we're playing at this point <laughs> yeah like black lotus is just not a magic card it's so crazy it's a Yu Gi Oh card
0: <laughs> <laughs> so then you have legacy which legacy can be pretty pricey as well um and Legacy has a huge following. It's a really cool format. I like Leg- uh, Legacy a lot. I think it's a lot of fun to watch. I think it's fun to play. If you get a chance to play it, I recommend it. But again, monetarily speaking, it is pretty expensive. And the one thing about both Legacy and Modern, because the one thing that they both have in common is they both have fetches, right? They are the big fetch uh, formats for Eternal formats. Modern is 2003 onward. Legacy is essentially vintage with the restricted list band, right? Yeah,
1: there's some more bands, but like vintage doesn't allow for bands and uh, legacy does. Yeah. So that's the main difference. I think it's actually the same card pool.
0: So it's pretty much magic's history. Yeah. So from someone who's, say, playing standard and they're going to find a new eternal format... Um, or non-rotating if you want to be a douche about it, I guess, and say, well, actually, it's not an eternal format, that whole thing. But anyway, if you're going into those kind of formats, it is daunting and really, like, what word I'm thinking of? Um, discouraging to look at a format like Legacy and Modern and be like, I have to learn literally 20, 20 years of cards. You have to learn 20 years of cards. Now, I'm not saying you have to learn every single set in existence, but there's a lot of cards. There are a lot of cards played in modern and and just modern, but that's 03 to now. Where you look at, you know, Pioneer is from 2013, 2012, 2012 to now. So a much smaller card pool, but a a big enough card pool to make it uh, its own unique format. And the biggest thing is no fetches. And that's good for two reasons, looking at Pioneer. It's good for the first reason that fetches warp a format so aggressively to where it drastically changes how a format functions. For example, Pioneer has Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise and Deathrite Shaman, perfectly legal. No one cares. Really, no one does. Because they're fair cards without fetches right now. In three, four years from now, we could be looking at those cards being banned because as a format gets older, eventually there's easier ways to fill the yard to make Delve better and better. But looking at Modern and Legacy, not even just monetarily, but just play on its own. It's a big card pool. It's a lot of cards to learn. fetches is warp of Format. And there's a lot more degenerate stuff going on. But Modern can be degenerate in a fair way. And Legacy can be really fair too i'm not saying that they're like i think
1: modern is probably less fair than legacy because legacy has force of will yeah which is like yeah. the giant police card.
0: i agree um pioneer is the quote-unquote fair format no fetches uh easier card pool to kind of learn and the ability to transfer your existing cards from standard that you worry about rotating is much more feasible in pioneer than it would be in modern
1: yeah like Sorry. i think that's a very big point where when I got into Magic in 2017, I think, and um, I experienced rotation. Uh, the first rotation, I didn't really care because I just started. So I had just been given the advice, like, don't buy cards from those sets. They're about to rotate. OK, cool. Um, but then the next rotation happens with Guilds of Ravnica. And I already played Modern a bit at the time, but I also, I was, it really sucked for me that my standard deck rotated. Because that standard yeah. was... I had so much fun playing that deck. It was, it was unbelievable how much fun I had. I could play it all day, all day, every day, just that same deck. I didn't need another deck. And then it rotated and it sucked. And then people are like, well, you know, the alternative, you can go into modern. It's like, yeah, where literally none of these cards are playable yeah. because they are just terrible. And that's a first thing, a cool thing about Pioneer. To be honest, especially if you've gotten into Magic recently, like Standard has been very powerful recently. So if you have, a I mean, if you own some of the banned cards, easy. Um, oh yeah. It, like that were banned in Standard; those are almost all Pioneer staples. So if you've been playing Standard for the past like year or two, you probably have a deck from that era that you like that has a home in Pioneer, and you wouldn't even have to really spend much. And I think the other thing. Where this kind of ties into is that uh Pioneer is pretty much exclusively modern card design. And now a lot of people would first say, oh, modern card design, like the fairy and euro and omnath. It's like, yeah, we've had outliers. But I think the main thing is is uh there's no free spells in this format. There's no mana morphos, there's no force of will, uh, there's no phyrexian mana, uh, there's no there's no rituals to like storm off. That sort of thing, except for like iron crack feet, but that's like the fairest way you can do it because you can't actually storm off with it. Yeah. Um, so you've got the, and there's also less prison pieces no chalice of the void, blood moon, that sort of thing. So it's sort of, as you said, the more fair, straightforward magic. It's just been gotten got very powerful. And the main benefit, as you already pointed out way at the start, it's an eternal format. Rotation sucks. It's cool you get to keep your deck yeah so I think those are like the reasons why you would get into Pioneer specifically over something like modern. again, as we pointed out, that's not saying the other formats aren't fun. I personally don't really play modern anymore, but I like watching it. I love watching Legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love watching CEDH. I watch a I watch a lot of Competitive Commander uh, because I think it's super cool format, but the format to get into, I think Pioneer is the better format of all of them. Yeah. Especially if you're coming sort of fresher into the format. And if you come from the older formats, it's sort of like the eternal format, but you step down on the craziness a little bit. Yes. And if you hate mm. fetches, like, like I do, if you play in paper formats, the best thing about, the actual best thing about Pioneer is that there's no fetches. And for me, because I play paper, it's literally the gameplay. Like, I am so happy that I have to shuffle approximately, like, four or five times per match rather than four or five times per game.
0: And that's if the game's quick. Yeah, I agree with that. And one thing to note that you were saying when it comes to, like, uh, you know, about rotation sucking and, like, it's fun and nice to be able to keep your deck. Not only can you keep your deck, but if we look, Pioneer is a year old now. We just passed about a year, uh, what, week and a half ago two weeks ago yeah and if you look at a lot of the decks right now um there are a few that were definitely decks with you know a little upgrade here and there based on new stats coming out of course but when it comes down to it the decks are still there and they are still existing so you look at like things like mono black aggro spirits rule mid-range ors uh, auras, auras um you know mono green planeswalkers in a sense um is a is a deck of our monogreen devotion, really. Uh, and then your Azores control, Esper control, those kind of things. Those have all really been the same type of deck for the last year. And you know, again, like I said, you might have an upgrade here, upgrade there, you might get a nice cool card that fits into one of those you know, respective decks, and then it takes up a slot, like we've seen that a few times. But for the majority of it, if you buy into some of those decks, then likely or it's likely that next year you'll have that deck still available and still viable to play
1: yeah like unless we get like another crazy shakeup, like theros beyond death which definitely like warps the entire format unless we get something like that the decks here are quite steady and now we've talked about this on the cast before where modern has sort of like a rotating cast where your deck can be great one point half a year later it's bad And we talked about how that's generally a good thing. And I think it probably is. But if you're someone who doesn't play Magic as often, it actually isn't. Because my only modern deck is Elves. And some metas, I can show up with Elves and do well. And some metas, I can show up with Elves, and my deck just sucks. And that can actually be frustrating if you play a format like once every few months. Because you're like, well, it's an Eternal format. I want to kind of like stretch it out and play it whenever I feel like it. And Pioneer is actually relatively um, like, good for that, even if you're the occasional player. Sure, you won't be performing as well, but better than you would in other eternal formats. That can just be totally different with literally no cards added. It could, the formats can change drastically.
0: Yeah. And I know you've heard this uh, before, too not even in the sense of like the revolving door type format that modern is like every three months, like the, the meta kind of changes, but there also has been talk of the last couple of years that modern has essentially become a rotating non-rotating format, meaning that like it's changing so much with new cards that like your card pool kind of gets put by the wayside. In a lot of cases, and there are cards that kind of end up just not being as good even a revolving door kind of does that, right? If you're a
1: regular modern player, you can probably not stick to one deck if you want to perform well. If you're a pioneer player, you can probably pick a deck and really like sink your teeth in and get stuck with the deck, and it would actually work. And that is more effective in Pioneer than it is in modern, so probably pretty effective in legacy too. Like if you're a really good reanimator yeah. player, you can probably always play it. but
0: yeah, it makes sense
1: so I think moving on to the next point. So now you're here and you have chosen that you would like to play Pioneer because you're a smart person and you've probably joined (laughs) our Discord because you're an even smarter person. And now we want to give you an understanding of Pioneer. So what do you, what are some of the fundamentals you need to grasp at when you want to understand Pioneer? So I'll try and uh, start off. I have two, only two points initially. It's okay. mostly because I think a lot of them sort of apply to Magic in in general, so it's hard to like really pinpoint down what defines Pioneer. But I've come down to these two. The first one is the format is deceptively fast. Like you see people playing five drops and six drops, and it's like it's playable, and sure you've got your five color Niv, but you kind of need a plan from turn one onwards. It looks it's sort of the fairest Eternal format. That doesn't mean you can Dirtle, right? Siege Rhino is still not a good card in this format. And I've defined it as you need a turn one play, but the speed of the format is low enough that a Triome that really sets your deck up for success, I would count that as a good turn one play. So if you're playing a four-color deck, starting off with a Triome and leading it into a check on turn two, a check land, and have all your mana then you've made it like successful turn one play but generally you actually kind of want to start off with like a thought seize a one drop even like an opt just to like dig a few or dig through time later but you need to be coming out of the gates quick in this format yeah. and i think the second point i have is that while you can play control right it's an archetype that works we've seen it it pops up occasionally Generally speaking, you really need a game plan. Because what I've talked about before, just when I mentioned with modern, there's no prison pieces really, so there's not really a prison style deck here. There's no mono red prison. There is no like chalice of the void or like death and taxes, where it's like my game plan is to mess with my opponent. Aside if they're playing like Esper control which are actually built in a way with Yorion that they sort of have their own game plan too, where they get down Planeswalkers. If you do nothing, they shoot you in the face with Oath of Kaya, and they blink it out with Yorion, and they blink it out with Teferi, and they shoot you in the face again. So even they kind of have a game plan, because you need to actively work towards your own win, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You want to essentially be... A control deck that has a definitive idea and an identity of how you win your game. And, like, we, I mean, we, we know that, like, we want control decks that have a finisher, but you need it to be particularly more consistent than. You, uh, you
1: you generally need to be very proactive in your approach. Even when you're a control deck, uh, now I play pretty reactive control because just what I like. But generally speaking, if someone's like, what should I do for a deck? I always tell people, You have to be proactive. Your plan can kind of not, like kind of shouldn't depend on what your opponent is doing, which is why we're seeing a fair amount of aggro or uh, combo decks or decks that really go over the top and do big things like reclamation style decks because you want to be able to have your own, like you need to be able to goldfish effectively. You need a goldfish style draw in your deck.
0: Yeah, and if you look at the Pioneer meta page, what is the most played control deck in the format? It's Esper for Control. What is Esper Control in Pioneer? It is a Yorian-based, enchantment-focused control deck. A lot of just playing stuff on curve, like Hand Hate, you have like, you know, Thought Seas, uh, you have your Fatal Push, you have your um, Thought Erasure, and then you have like things like Doom Foretold, you have um, Omen of the Sea, uh, Elspeth conquers death. So, and even Oath of Kaya. um Now, are they always all playing Doom Foretold? No. But that's a pretty popular one. Even when you're not playing Doom Foretold, you're pretty much playing a yorian Esper list that has a decent amount of enchantments to make use of yorian It's a very proactive game plan. Yeah,
1: like you're not going to, I mean, sometimes you do, but like this first one, for example, I just pulled up runs four absorb. But you generally see them being a little bit lower on counter magic. And a bit more on just like um, Trial of Ambition as a removal spell. You can sort of like, it's more sorcery speed because again, you need to sort of just keep trucking ahead. And if you're playing at instant speed and your opponent has nothing to do for a turn and they pass, that means you also haven't done anything. And that's what these control decks are sort of trying to actively prevent. Yep. So, do you have anything to add? to uh
0: defining the format? I would say that you need to it's hard to say that this is a definitive like identity that Pioneer has, but it's definitely much more prevalent prevalent in this format than it is in other ones, unless you're playing limited. Attacking and blocking is a lot more important here, and you have to know how to attack and block well because they matter a lot more. It's not like uh, modern or legacy, where you're not going to have these board states where it's just like, okay, you have four creatures, I have five creatures, and you try to like see like, okay, do I attack here? Do I pull back? Do I just swing with one thing? Do I try to get through a little tiny bit of damage? That matters a whole lot more. And if you come from a limited background, you're probably in a pretty good position uh, to do well in Pioneer in that sense, because there are a lot of mid rangey type creature focused decks. And if you like to play that style of deck, or even if you like to play aggro, like Mono Black, uh, Burn, and you run into that kind of you know, creature-based strategy, you're going to have these games a lot. So like I said, if you play li- uh, Limited, you'll be great. Otherwise, I recommend playing more Limited to practice or just going right into Pioneer. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: I will also say, uh, quickly add to my point, the proactiveness also has to do with the diversity. So this sort of proactiveness is kind of a thing that always applies to Eternal formats. So it's not necessarily like identifying for Pioneer alone. It's more what you need to just understand when you go into Pioneer. Because if there's so many things you could be up against, then it might sometimes be the better idea to just do your own thing. But that doesn't mean Pioneer isn't interactive, but it's why you also tend to see like broad interaction is good, right? Like fatal push is good. Because it can hit a lot of things, especially coming out of mono black aggro, murderous rider, because it just gets anything. Right? That's why mono black aggro is so successful, because it has this removal that unless your opponent is not playing creatures, it's just never dead, because it's so versatile. Where like if you put shock in your deck as a removal spell, what if your opponent has a lot of three toughness creatures? Oops. And it's not a very good card to throw upstairs, because it's only two damage. Now, moving into the next point. We're saying, like, what if you come into Pioneer and you're new to magic? So, we just talked about sort of the identity of Pioneer, and maybe you're a little bit confused because you don't know all these things. You keep restoring about like aggro and tempo and, and board states mattering. It's like, what does all of this actually mean? Right? I'm new to magic, just hopped into Arena. I know how the game works, as in play my lands, tap them, play stuff, but that's about as far as it goes. Well, first of all, welcome. Welcome to Magic the Gathering, the greatest game ever created. Um, So, Brad, what would you say to someone if you're just kind of like new to magic in general? Find a
0: card that you are absolutely in love with and the flavor of it, the way it works, the way it functions, and just roll with it and practice trying to find synergies and work on your own ability to, to deck build. But net deck at the same time and find inspiration online and have an understanding of how you can make a deck work. Because the biggest thing about being new to magic, whether it's in Pioneer or whatever, is uh being able to find your own playstyle. And you you did this, I've done this. When we first started playing Magic, we we built some really, really horrible, horrible decks. Uh this was like yes what, two weeks ago. Uh, we were dming each other and uh, we were sending each other old deck lists that we had like on our like basically you go to like your goldfish account and you go to tools you go to my decks and you go all the way to the bottom on the last page you're like oh my god why why did i make this deck and i had even cleared
1: up in the past so my very very first decks aren't even on there anymore and i'm and i'm still like man like yeah these are these are bad
0: But that doesn't mean you and I didn't have fun playing the decks. Oh,
1: it was probably it, the most fun I've had playing Magic, just right at the start. Yeah. <laughs> it,
0: it took a lot of getting my ass kicked to be able to understand, and understand why my deck wasn't working the way it did. And you can't let losing games discourage you from playing it because that's how you get better. It's how you start understanding more lines of play. It's how you start understanding how to evaluate the cards within your deck. That's the most fun thing about Magic. And again, I recommend net decking and trying to find something of similar note uh, that like comparatively to the deck that you want to build, the pet deck you might have, to be able to draw inspiration and look at their list and be like why are they running this card? I've never thought of that card. And it helps you appreciate the game in a different way. MTG Goldfish is
1: probably the best website for this. Uh, You can find most decks there. Uh, There's also articles on there or there's articles everywhere. But I think that's supposed to just use the internet, right? Like, find decks, but find guides. Like, there are plenty of videos introducing people to Magic the Gathering. Now, if you come from another card game, maybe you've played Hearthstone, you will understand some of these decks, but just grasping context of, like, card advantage, tempo, knowing what an aggro deck is and what that means to be an aggro deck, know what it means to be proactive, Uh, the legendary article for that, that at one point playing Magic, everybody should read, but it shouldn't be your first read, is Who's the Beatdown? I think that article was written like 15 years ago and it's still relevant uh, about when you should be aggressive in certain matchups, but that's a recommended read for anyone who's into Magic. Um, So again, use the internet. Um, Find cards you love, as Brad said, it's very important. Having fun is the most important thing. Um, as brad said like you probably start off by getting your ass beat a lot but if you're having fun because if you like your deck that doesn't matter but in order to understand the game if you want to get into the mindset of i do want to get into this game as quickly as possible find simple decks you're probably going to want to start with decks with fewer colors right if you don't have to think about your mana base because it's all swamps then that's a part of the game that you don't have to think about yet. And you sort of distill your your gameplay down. Hey, maybe I shouldn't play a card that lets me look at my opponent's hand because then I cast it and I see seven cards I've never seen before, right? Maybe I should avoid those cards for a while and play something simpler. And I think the most important thing is ask your opponent questions. If there's one thing that magic players like doing, it is talking about magic. I mean, we're doing it right now. But even like in a game, if you play in a tournament, if you play like at an FNM or some sort of small setting, and you have fifty minutes in a round and you're done after twenty minutes, I'm sure your opponent is going to be happy to talk with you about magic for the next thirty minutes,
0: waiting for you. Yeah, next. exactly. I mean, and, Alex, that's how you and I started becoming friends on the server. We would just randomly play each other sometimes, and then our our game became a from a 30 minute game all of a sudden it was like a two hour call and just be like talking about decks talking about we we had stopped playing
1: after half an hour and we were just chatting about decks and and cards we considered and cool cool lists we found and like talk with your opponent now obviously sometimes you're going to go to an lgs or something and you're going to find someone who isn't very friendly so that's a bummer but find find the nice people. Uh, I thought it was like a quote online. It was always like, "Look for the helpers," which was like, "My grandpa told me this," and their grandpa probably didn't <laughs> tell them that. But it was like, it it, it is like a good His idea. Grandpa's in Savannah right now. Just fine. it. To be honest, uh, store owners even. Yeah. If you're newer, store owners, there are. If you go into like a dedicated Magic: The Gathering shop, and there's a store owner, store owner there, they play Magic. And they would love to help you, or they know the people in the shop that would be willing to help you. That was generally like my role in my yeah. first LGS, which is sadly closed now, but like new players came in. It'd probably be like, yeah, go and have a chat with Alex. Right. And it's like, hey, I'm new. I like this. I bought this deck. I'd look at it. It'd obviously be terrible because it's people's first deck, but that doesn't matter. Because like, I'm, oh, you like this. Yeah. You like this card. Oh, yeah. Then you should look at this card and blah, blah, that sort of thing and play practice games, etc."
0: The other thing I'd like to add is uh, when it comes to, like I said, look at net decks and draw inspiration for your pet deck and try to figure out what makes it tick and what, how you can you know mirror that idea to uh, the deck that you're building. The second thing is, we talked about it with Modern and Legacy. Those are very big card pools. Pioneer may be a smaller card pool in comparison, but it's still a pretty big chunk of cards to learn, especially if you're new to the game in general. Not even if you're just coming from like standard. It's still a lot for those players too, which is why Alex was saying, try to avoid cards like Thoughtseize and like things that attack your opponent's hand basically. And like, oh, well, what do I take? Because you don't know the cards. The more you play, and even if you just don't have time to play a lot of games, watch content, watch other people play Magic. Just type in, go on YouTube and be like, hey, like Pioneer Deck or whatever. And there'll be plenty of results and try to make it as recent as possible. So you have the most recent card pool available on the videos, but just watch them play. That's really, and I'm sure you could attest to this, Alex. That's how I got more familiar with cards. I watched yeah. a lot of like Saffron, Olive playing against the odds and standard. Uh, I watched, um, I watched him do, I started watching more eternal formats. Um, things like Jim Davis, uh, day nine was always a huge, huge help for me uh, early on watching magic. Um, just find someone you like obviously don't watch someone that you you don't enjoy you know as or find entertaining uh I, like i said i recommend the mtg mtg goldfish crew i recommend day 9 um if pioneer in particular i recommend like jim davis even though he doesn't do it that often uh crim from mtg goldfish or the asian avenger he plays as pioneer peak uh series just watch those uh people play and you'll get more familiar with the cards and then after you watch like you know, five hours of like just that kind of content in like a couple of days. And all of a sudden you start playing a game and you, your opponent drops a card that you just saw yesterday on, on, on stream. You're like, oh, I know that one. I yeah. recognize that one. And it's a nice feeling because you're like, I know, I know what to do. Because not only can you learn the card pool, you can learn how these players who are pretty good at the game interact with these cards and try to play around them and make decisions based on what their opponent's doing. It's super valuable and a great tool available. I mean, welcome to yeah. 2020. We have the internet,
1: right? Well, one thing that I would recommend for people when they watch content, sometimes you might be put off by a certain content creator, and it's mostly because there's a lot of content creators out there that, play, that make content um, for people that are already enfranchised. So a pretty, um, a pretty popular content creator, for example, is someone called Magic Aids. And they make pretty cool decks and kind of strange sense of humor sometimes. But if it's your thing, it's probably quite, it's quite funny. But he talks so fast. Like he covers two hours of magic in 10 minutes. So that's probably not someone you should watch the first time you're watching magic. Because he literally just talks fast. Where like uh, Tolarian Community College kind of has the meme, and I do it too. Everybody watches his videos at 1.25 speed, because he talks so slowly. But Magic Age is someone you should watch at 0.5 speed. So probably just watch someone else. Uh, I know, as you said, Jim Dave is very good for that. Goldfish Crew is very good for that. Um, Speaking of Tolarity Community College, he does have um, basic guides into the game. Even Basic Guide. The the Tolarian Tutor series. Yeah, Yeah. Tolarian Tutor series, which is literally just like, what is aggro? What is control? Uh, What is tempo? And just has a very basic video series rundown. Uh, Once you feel like you have a bit of a grasp on the format, I think maybe the best person to watch is Reed Duke because he is an amazing magic player and he explains every line he makes. If you see Reed Duke do something which like, Why would you ever do that? Wait three seconds He'll explain to you why he did it and you understand why he's right. Because that guy is unbelievably good at magic. And also Dive Down,
0: Crew 3, uh, Faithless Brewing, I think is a Pioneer podcast too. I don't know what their new name is yet. They they were called The Pioneer Cast, but they have rebranded to be more broad into all forms of magic. It's with Ross Merriam and uh, Tanner Grace.
1: Yeah, they were called The Pioneer. Yeah, the Pioneer Podcast. They have changed name. Well, will change name in the future.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Like what they decided on, but yeah, they're they're great. Just look up Ross Merriam. He streams Tana Grace uh, streams sometimes. Uh, they're great options as well.
1: Uh, and versus live, is the last one I'd recommend.
0: Versus live, it, it's Yeah, probably actually, no, one probably of the, the most
1: yeah, and probably one of the most new player friendly because it's also just very entertaining. And they tend to play like hands open. Like they, they sent tend to sometimes like just literally just put their hand on the table and sort of just like discuss with the other player. And it's like, hey, I wanted to do that. And it's like, not sure if that's a good idea. You know, they sideboard and they just put the cards on the table. I'm going to sideboard this card in. And they're like, shouldn't you sideboard that in? It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. And then they really have like a back and forth.
0: Yeah, uh, that's probably one of my favorite forms of magic to play is the way that versus live does it because it is a true play testing environment where you can, you can tell these players have been on teams together uh, or in general for like big events when uh, back when we had big events, obviously. And um, it's such a great dynamic to just sit down and play with a teammate and you're not playing just to win. You're playing to literally discuss every line possible and try to understand the matchups between both your decks and just better yourselves and be more prepared moving forward. And Versus is a great example for that.
1: Yeah, so that was uh, Versus Live on Star City
0: Games, is that? Yep.
1: They broadcast twice a week live on Twitch, but it's all uploaded to YouTube, so you can even watch it afterwards.
0: Pause, find the deck lists, etc. All right, so anything you want to add? One last plug, if you ever want to watch a live Paper Magic, there is the MTG at Home YouTube channel as well. Uh, Alex and I have both been on there as far as casters for uh, Pioneer and Modern as well. And we also upload just random gameplay of uh, weekly events too. Uh, I've actually been on camera a couple of times, so is Alex. And uh, you can see us make horrible misplays in Magic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll basically be the poster child of what not to do in games. Oh, uh,
1: one thing to add if you also want to play or try new decks, proxy. Now, proxies yes. aren't allowed in paper events in stores. Generally, but playing casually, like between rounds or just for fun at your store, playing on our Discord server, and probably most Discord servers, because there are other Discord servers where pioneers played, just proxy. And if you don't know what a proxy means... You can either print out a card and just put it in a card sleeve together with a normal card, like just flip that card up, flip that card around, if so you see the back, you put a piece of paper over it, which can either be a print of the card or literally just write down what the card does. Put it in there, shuffle up, test, have fun, try new things. You don't need to immediately spend money, especially at the start when you're new to the game. You probably will end up buying a lot of cards you end up not using ever again cuz they're not good.
0: Yeah, I've done that a lot.
1: Yeah, most of my cards are actually just bad. And I look at them now and it's like, why did I buy this? Like, why did I... The art is great, but...
0: <laughs> my justification is like, well, I bought the foils, so, I mean, like, they're kind of pretty, so... Yeah, I don't do that. So you... Do you... uh, Well, I will say, no, early on, when I first got into Magic, I didn't touch foils that often. Um, it was not until around... Guilds of Ravnica's release when I Ooh. got fully back into Magic. So I took about a year off. I played I played started with Amon played up until Rivals of Ixalan. Um and then pretty much I went to the Rivals of Ixalan pre-release. Um didn't even participate, just bought the pre-release kit, opened it, bailed, and then I did not play Magic until Guilds of Ravnica. So I took almost a year off. You missed a great era of magic. I did. Um, some people might disagree
1: but i thoroughly enjoy that format aside from instantly losing when someone played it to ferry because that card was really good um it was yes um so moving on to the next point so anyone who's new to magic from now on it might get a little bit more confusing than it might have already been because we did throw a lot of information your way but what if you're an established player what if you play played standard for maybe like just a couple years or even just a year right if you played standard for like a year half a year the previous segment you probably knew most of the things we we're talking about maybe even playing modern for years you know you're tired of being caught up on their blood moon because you keep playing greedy mana bases <clears throat> totally not me um and you want to get into pioneer what are some lessons brad people can take from other formats anyway that or just like in general
0: what do you think a Magic player like, can do when they get into Pioneer? Um, I think depending on what format you're coming from, you just look at what decks are easily transferable uh, from your collection into Pioneer. Uh, if you're going from Modern forward, then obviously there's probably a lot more of the card pool that you just, you just look at and you're like, yeah, I probably have that card. Um, or even some banned Modern cards, like we talked about, Dig Through Time, Treasure Cruise, Deathrite Shaman. So like maybe you just have some of those lying around because they got banned, you got sad, and you quit Modern because, you know, couldn't play those cards. Well, you know, come on, play your uh, broken cards. They're fair here. Um, Standard, other the way around, uh, you mentioned earlier, if you've especially played Standard recently, there's a pretty good chance that a lot of the decks that you have will be fully functional in Pioneer with very minimum upgrades. If you're in a black deck from Standard, Thoughtseize Fatal Push, and then everything else recently, as far as black removal is concerned, is the king of black removal outside of those two cards, right? Heartless yeah. Act, uh, Murderous Rider. El- eliminate. Um, eliminate. Uh, the only card I can think of that's older that you might want to get would be Hero's Downfall. And those are cheap. Two bucks. Um, so yeah, you have the opportunity to just make decks pretty easily transferable. And otherwise just. Find a deck, or a type of deck that you like to play. And it's going to sound weird, but I'm going to make a suggestion on two accounts. Either do one of these two things. Either play a similar style deck that you play in another format that you just absolutely love. Let's say you're like Alex and you love playing a reactive control deck. Try and play that deck over in Pioneer because you're familiar and you like that play style and you can probably adapt pretty well. The other side of that, though, is to play something completely different from what you've played in another format. Because sometimes, let's say you are coming from Modern, and you like to play combo decks. Well, you have a couple combo decks available in Pioneer. There are more than two, but there are two good ones, or at least competitive ones, being Oops All Spells and Lotus Field.
1: Now, depending on how long it, ago it is that this was recorded, these might not be the top decks anymore, but they probably will remain for a while.
0: Yes, of course, and barring any bans or whatever. But as of right now, in November of 2020, the two combo decks that are most prevalent are Oops All Spells and Lotus Combo. Now, if you come from Modern, it's probably not going to be the most fun type of combo deck to play in Pioneer because of just the vast difference of playstyle and a lot slower as well from what you're probably used to. So I don't think it's going to scratch that itch, and you're not going to have as, as much fun, so I recommend trying something different. Because, I mean, if you just look at the Oops All Spells list in Modern versus Pioneer, uh, they are quite different. As, I mean, of course, the main way of getting there is ultimately the same, but the uh, the steps along the way are pretty, pretty different. So yeah, I encourage you to play either a deck you're familiar with, um, or just do a 180 and do something completely different. It's it's fun to branch out, and it's fun to enter a new format, trying something else. Like, Alex is a Grixis player, and he's playing Orzhov Humans right now. And that is the most 180 you can get. Not only are you going from Grixis, playing things like Nicol Bolas, you're playing a mostly white deck. Yes. I'll repeat, a white deck, arguably the worst color in Magic, across formats. If it wasn't for Path, uh, Path to Exile, it would be by far the worst color in Modern. <laughs> and even then, it's still not the best. And it's one of those splash colors. And for those of you who are new to Magic, and you're still here following that segment, white's pretty bad. It's not the best mono color, but it's a very good complementary color with other colors. But less. So, an
1: and this is what the Ors of Human deck abuses. White has the tendency to have one-mana creatures with two power and one toughness. And if you put yep. a lot of creatures with two power and one toughness for one mana on the battlefield, your opponent will be dead before they get to do anything. Which is pretty much what the Auras of abuses. abuses.
0: Yes, and then you have the opportunity to cast what's called Elephant Jesus, which just makes all of your cards bigger, and now your one-mana uh, two-power uh, guys are now one-mana three-power guys, and now you have a big old elephant coming in too. But... Like I'm saying, is Alex is a great example. He has a pet deck. He has his passion in control. That's what he likes to play. But he also has the opportunity to play a vastly different deck that he still enjoys. That's the nice thing about Pioneer because it's enough variety to allow you to enjoy different playstyles. Where it's not foreign. Where like you know, I'm not going to go yeah. into modern as an agro player and be like, I'm going to try combo. No, you're not. No, you're not. That that's.
1: Even I was a control player, tried to get into into modern, picked up storm. Nope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember you I actually, telling the story, and you're like, I
1: actually did fairly well with it, but holy, that deck was so confusing. And this is sort of the we had to think just about right, find the people who are helpful. I had people when I was playing in a, like a serious tournament, and people helped me like count storm and keep track of mana. So I, all, literally all of my opponents saw me like fiddling around with my dice, keeping track of my mana, and they were like, no, you just play the game, I'll, I'll track the Storm and the mana for you. And that's why I managed to stumble my way into top 8. What, what wonderful opponents you have.
0: That yeah. would never happen in my LGS. they just be like, you're miscounting? I will take the free win. No, they're all like, well, because that's technically up to your opponent too.
1: If you miscount Storm, that's technically your opponent's fault too. Um, yeah. That is a nice one. So people who come from uh, online platforms, maybe a very quick segue. Um, people who come from online platforms, you start playing in paper. According to the rules of Magic, uh, it is actually up to both players to make sure that the game state, so the board, is correct. So if your opponent has a, like a card that says at the beginning of your turn, draw an extra card, then it's kind of up to both of you to make sure your opponent does. The only exception is cards that say may. So if there is a card that says at the start of your turn, you may draw a card and your opponent forgets, then we can just pretend your opponent chose not to. But if your opponent has to do something, then it's up to both players to make sure they actually do. And that's a. Which <coughs> I think is a great shell-stark. rule, by the way. I think it's no, the I perfect agree. rule. But I think I think it is up to both. But it's just the most fun, it's the most fair. And even if your deck is complicated, you're gonna forget things. And I can Because this is not like a super harsh rule, right? You're not gonna get like kicked out of a tournament for doing this wrong once. But I've seen it happen in tournaments where like there was a very popular deck was quite complicated, and there was like one person who would almost like actively try to play in a way to make their opponent stumble into misplays. And he got an actual warning, like you should actually like start like paying attention to what your opponent does too. Yeah. But don't let it be too daunting if you're a new player. There's a difference between honest mistakes and um, being an ass.
0: Yeah, that's just like any game, any which play. I think this
1: is a I mean we haven't been in case it does I don't know when people are, are watching this or listening to this, but we haven't played paper magic in this tournament. In like a store in a long time because of a pandemic probably the we forgot the very best advice that any magic player ever can get ask a judge yeah. if you're at a tournament and you have any doubt ask a judge if there is a judge ask a judge you can ask a judge literally anything as long as it's not strategical you can't ask a judge should i do this But you can ask a judge, can I do this? Or if this if I do this, does this happen? Which can be big I've done it at tournaments. Judge, go and sit next to the table. It's like, I don't know how these two cards work. It's like, oh yeah, if you do that, you do that. Okay, thanks, Judge, and you go and sit down. Yep. Best advice anyone can ever give you, ask a judge. Judges are great. They are such a fantastic part of magic.
0: And another thing, um, speaking of asking questions, not only like we talked about earlier, like asking questions to your opponent, ask to read their cards. Always ask, may I read that? Because if you don't know a card, especially if you're new, whether you're new to the format or new to Magic in general, it is always ideal to read the card so you better understand it and you can understand how to play the game forward. Because we get into a habit as Magic players to just be like, not play the game properly in a sense we just go really fast and because like we just we see the pictures of cards and we memorize what they do right so you go and you don't even say the full name like i'll play damping sphere, I'll just go sphere and then you're like okay yeah cool and we just kind of go back and forth, go back and forth where the proper way to play would be i'm going to cast damping sphere do you have any responses Blah 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 and be a bit more technical so don't let someone get into that you know, motion essentially and go too fast for you so you don't understand and just be like, hey, sorry, uh, new. Or if you want to preface the game when you first start, be like, hey, by the way, I'm new to the format. I'm probably going to ask you if I can read cards. Is there any way you can go a teeny bit slower than you usually would for me? And nine times out of 10, your opponent's probably going to be like, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to have a new player play with me anyway. So take the opportunity to read cards. That's one thing
1: that being a control player forces you to do. When I, when I get into most of my games, I do get very technical while playing. It's like putting this on the stack. Does yeah. it resolve? And my opponent's like, "I have no mana open," and I'm like, "I'm still asking." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I've played. I've played some other formats, man. I'm asking. Does <laughs> yeah, it resolve? I'm asking. <laughs>
1: so, going back to what we were talking about, coming in from other formats, uh, you've covered a lot of like how you get into the format. I think. A very important thing when you want to get better at Pioneer, and there is quite some Pioneer content out there, but not as much as other formats. Standard's very popular, Modern's very popular. Pioneer has suffered from a dip. Like if there's one format that has suffered from this pandemic's impact on Magic, it's Pioneer. But don't undervalue what you learn in other formats. Again, there are certain players that are just really helpful, like Reed Duke. And I, I always go back to Reed Duke because he's just so great to watch. But I can watch Reed Duke play Legacy and learn something about Pioneer. Because it's just... How do I say it? But it's just like sort of like fundamentals. You can always learn fundamentals watching anything, right? Yeah. Overextending into a board wipe, playing against a certain card that might even be legal in Pioneer. Right, sometimes mm-hmm. people might play around a card in modern which is actually a pioneer legal card. Um, and there's also just magic is generally just about a lot of like lessons and there are sort of a lot of universally applicable rules. Like I'm not a big aggro player, but I know fairly well how to play an aggro deck just because I've watched many people play aggro decks. And that's not even in pioneer. Just because I've watched like a lot of humans in modern and like mono white in standard when it was good, I generally quite know how to pilot an aggro deck and sequencing and when you should like stop going into a board wipe because you've like got a certain amount of threat going, Uh, like trying to see what your clock is. So, how many turns would it take you to beat your opponent? And all those sort of things you can learn in any format. So, it doesn't really matter what format you're watching. Yeah, I think the yeah, only I mean... exception is probably CEDH, because oh, yeah. four-player games it. are just so different.
0: <laughs> and it's the singleton rule. It's not. It's not a constructed format. So if we're talking about trying to get better at Pioneer and understand just Magic in general, we're much smaller modern speaking, watch legacy. From, yeah, it's it is a constructed uh, perspective. Uh, I guess is what we're we'll called now. We are the constructive perspective. Thanks. Hi, how are you? That's if
1: we one day go into talking about anything. Which, granted, we talk about so much off-topic stuff. Maybe we should just be called the Perspective, because it's like yeah, we just have a perspective funny. on things, and we and occasionally flavor the
0: week. Are we? Hey, we might be the film perspective, the Maddie Boy Monogreen Bad perspective, the Alex plays Bad Grixis perspective, the Brad is bad, very sad about Ketha's perspective. Um, so you know. So looking at the other options, we talk about constructive formats, right? And we talk about pretty broadly. And we did mention this, both of us, a teeny bit back and forth. Real quick, quick rule rundown. We'll start with standard. Any decks that you see, and again, this is currently 2020 November Magic. Are there any decks within the last, let's say, this year of Magic and standard that you're like, yeah, easily transferable and... Can go right into point pioneer. I mean, for me, it's all of the band decks, especially. Um,
1: yes. Uro, omnath, fires of invention, wilderness reclamation. These are legit format staples. Like your Yorion Luca fires with Agent of Treachery is just legitimately a tier deck right now. Like, and it's now it's fallen off a little bit, but it's good enough, right? It still shows up on the front page. And if I look at that deck. So Jeskai Luka Fires, um, this is bar literally like three cards. This was a standard legal deck at the time, mm-hmm. especially if you consider, I mean, yeah, it runs some cards that have like gone into standard now or it ran some lands that had like just rotated. But like if you take like two or three years of standard, this is literally a standard deck. Wilderness Reclamation, Grove Spiral into Reclamation, into Expansion Explosion, a tale as old as 2018. But like, <laughs> we, we've been doing this for a while, and this has now translated into Pioneer. And the one last one that I wrote down here good old Embercleave. good old Get 'em Dead. Yeah. There's a lot of standard aggro decks that actually translate quite well into Pioneer uh bar some tweaks. You play Gruul aggro now, you probably want to get some burning tree emissaries in there. You know, just some cards like that. But generally speaking, um aggro decks tend to translate pretty well.
0: No, I do because the ask upgrades you... are easy.
1: Yes. That that's Up- very upgrading true. an aggro deck is very easy. Because you can literally sometimes find a card and I have like a two mana two two haste and it's like There is a 2 mana 3-2 haste. And they tend to not be expensive cards either. So the upgrade paths for aggro decks are super easy. And some of the toppers we've had in recent years uh, has read it a bit longer ago, but Embercleave, Torbran, um, those type of cards are probably some of the best we've ever had, so they're still good here.
0: Yeah, the only burn deck. Oh. I should say aggro deck. I got ahead of myself saying burn. The only aggro deck that I would say is uh, a little bit more upgrade intensive would be Boros burn um, because there are a little bit older cards. Now, if you did play mono red aggro during the time of Dominaria standard, you probably have, and even if you don't, these are pretty cheap cards, but you probably have the Wizards package, your Viashina Pyromancer, your um, Gitu Lava Runner, uh, and your Wizards Lightning, right? And then you just got to get your Soulscar Mages from Amonkhet, your uh, Eidolon of the Great Revel, your Wild Slashes, Whiting Strikes, which you probably have. Light of the Stage, you might have as well if you played up until, um, you know, post-Ravnica. or You might even have uh, to promo. You might, which is a very pretty promo. It is. And that just comes down to upgrading some land, get your fast lands and stuff like that. Um, and your sideboard might be a bit more, uh, you know, intensive deck. yeah but
1: generally speaking gruel aggro mono red mono red no more creature-based aggro because here we're looking at burn but there is also a mono red creature-based aggro yeah. uh, deck we call it chunky red but it's a little bit faster now because it doesn't like top at glory bringer which is also a card you might have if you've been playing standard for a few years
0: yeah it um, tops out at Torbrand. it's like Bomat courier into like soul scar mage into uh package still yeah yeah maybe kari
1: zev but that's like bulk
0: at this point.
1: Karzit so again, is, the menace is relevant, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I think, but yeah. like, yeah, but it's two bodies, which is nice when you have
0: Torbren. Oh, Legion War Boss, Ravel Master, those things too. Yeah, but that's more. They... That's more of a rule deck.
1: Um, yeah, and that's what I had. I had a, any old. Do you have any band decks and good old Embercleave?
0: Yeah, I mean, one other thing I could say is um, besides obviously those kind of decks. If you just happen to play standard years ago and you know or within the last eight years, I should say, and you decide you want to get back into magic and you're like well what's the what's the closest format I can probably play my old standard deck in it'd be it'd be here it'd be pioneer um i mean you could if you play like you know delirium back in the uh, shadows of over Innistrad standard, then you can probably make that work. Because, oh, by the way, there is a Soul Tide Delirium deck in this format. That just, again, it's a bit more, a a teeny bit more upgrade intensive. It is one of the more expensive decks. Um, But it's definitely up your alley if you like that kind of deck. Um, in Uh, even decks that aren't as... Quote unquote tier one competitive. Like, if you played zombies during that era too, with cat releasing, giving yourself like Word of the Accursed and Dread Wanderer, that is a deck that can be more than suitable and functional in this format. And you're looking at just being like, okay, I'm going to go get myself my Thought Seizes, my Fatal Pushes, and just run it. And maybe your, yeah. your, uh, your, your Death Barons as well to get your Extra Lords. So. You that was options. standard legal
1: a year later too. I think right before cat rotated out, it was M nineteen. Uh, Death, Death Baron became legal for a little bit.
0: Yeah, because it was no. it
1: was legal at the same time as Nickel uh, somewhere the cat cards were. So you could go cat plus M nineteen, but you couldn't go Shadows over Innistrad plus M
0: nineteen. No, because M nineteen came out in um. Well, did M nineteen come out uh, in twenty twenty eighteen? Uh, did so it was. Okay.
1: It came out before Guilds of Ravnica. So, and I oh, Okay, so you,
0: you could play like a pretty bad zombie deck because you. Yeah, I played it. It good.
1: wasn't good. <laughs>
0: yeah. The, the extra reward was not a good justification because you lost Cryptbreaker, Relentless Death. You Dead, did get the Formella
1: Liliana, which was kind of cool, but not super
0: good. I like Liliana Death's Majesty from Amonkhet. That's a cool one. Not very good for a zombie deck, though.
1: Eh, uh, it's okay. Me- medium, It's medium. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm just quick. Like I'm gonna be honest. I'm not a very big standard player right now. That's why I also tend to sort of harp back on either the super popular decks or the older decks from when I played. I mean,
0: as like, Rakdos mid range. That probably translates. You know, Croxa. Uh... Oh yeah. Anything Croxa. Um. I mean, even the mere rogues to an extent. Uh, we've yes. seen it pop up a teeny bit here and there. Um, adventures can probably work. Um, and then you see Esper Doom Foretold. That can definitely come in. Uh, you just have some more upgrades to make there. Uh, cycling. Uh, I actually really liked my cycling deck. I played Jeskai Cycling. And it was like more of a control deck that had a nice finisher of just Zapia for 20 because I have all these cycling cards engraved. Um, so, yeah, you can make these decks work. You can definitely provide some, you know, not extremely expensive upgrades. Uh, but before we get over to the actual Upgrading, let's cover The other format, so let's say you're coming from Modern, are there any decks In Modern, Alex, where you're like For the most part, I can probably play This in Pioneer, and you as uh, I guess you make some downgrades Because you lose legality I, on a few cards I noticed three decks When okay. I looked at
1: MTG Front page, the first one is probably the most Obvious one, which is Spirits um, Yes, but one thing you're going to notice when you play Pioneer Spirits, and that's probably like one of the downsides if you'd move over with that deck, you're going to feel very weak. Like, not having Aether Vial, not having... I mean, they're not always Noble Harrow, but not having Aether Vial and not having Drogskill Captain is going to make you feel very weak. Because those two cards are really good in Modern. Like, getting two Drogskill Captain and makes your whole board permanently X-proof and Aether Vial, ap- allowing you to have fantastic tempo, you're going to miss those cards. But you will have yeah. most of the deck. So it's an easy transition to make. You have all the expensive cards already. And cool. it's even a good one where like, if you really want to go out of Modern, you can actually just sell your Modern-only cards for Spirits and like buy into Thoughtseizes or something, like if you want to really go the Econ route you know, <laughs> to maximize your old deck. Um then there is probably my favorite section on Goldfish, not because I like the decks particularly, but just Euro piles. There are so many like Euro good stuff value decks. Um, especially now with Omnath, you can play those. And what we talked about before, Oops All Spells, which has a slightly different finisher, but is fundamentally the same deck. Right? If you bought into all the mythic lands from Zendikar. First of all, rip your wallet, and second, you've got the Balustrade Spy. You've got the Demir Inform Demir Informant. I think it's called.
0: Uh no, that is not what it's called. It is called um. Uh, you talking about the it's Undercity Informer. Undercity Informer. Yes, it is a Demir card, but it's Undercity Informer. It um, uh, Demir in the sense of like I guess the guild, but it is monoblack. I assure you
1: yeah so you've got you've got those you've got the creeping chill um like i think the main difference with the modern one is charbel trout of the sideboard and the main deck plan is salvage titan sword of the meek vengevine which are cards you're missing but you're going to have most of the other cards so that's a good transition to make and those are the three archetypes i could come up with and after that you're just looking at staples and I yeah. think if you're playing in Modern, you're going to... V- if you a- play in Modern and you have a pretty reasonable collection, you're going to be very comfortable getting into Pioneer. You're going to have the Shocks. You're probably going to have the Checklands lying around. You're going to have the Fastlands that are legal. Thoughtseize. Uh, well, there are Thoughtseize, Three Fairy, Collected Company, Omnath, Uro, Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Like, you're going to have all these cards or some of these cards lying around if you've been a long-time Modern player.
0: Yes, uh, just keep in mind if you happen to be a modern player and you've been playing modern recently, uh, don't bring your inverter deck and don't bring your copycat deck over here. They are banned. Yes, which I am just shocked that like they're actually decks in modern.
1: Well, I know copycat. Was I didn't know inverter was.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the list. There is uh, there's a couple, and it's it's been like that for like ever since inverter became a thing in Pioneer. Modern's like eh, we could do it too. Not as good, but do it always been on the page. I would like to uh, make a small deviation because I don't think there's any other decks I can really mention. I think that Modern is vastly different in a lot of uh, categories. Yeah,
1: um, there's, there's a lot of Modern decks, but they don't translate well, actually. It's just yeah. because there are a lot of... And that's very purposefully done so, I'm sure. The cutoff point for Pioneer is just before a lot of modern staples, mainly Innistrad. It's just before Innistrad, so there's no Snapcaster Mage, uh, no like, um, I mean, I'm going to say St. Strain Resto Angel, because who plays that card? But there's no Champion of the Parish, no Thalia, already said Snapcaster Mage, no Lightning Bolt, because that wasn't a core set before, no Thrag Tusk, no Uh, no primeval titan so there's a very like I think like meticulously crafted cutoff point where we're definitely missing a lot of modern staples and again no free spells an important part for modern can be the free spells and you know bar Omnath playing a fabled passage there are no free spells in pioneer yes Oh, and Uh, white white removal, (laughs) lol.
0: Yeah, white (laughs) white removal is so much better in Modern. Um, Path to
1: Exile is so much better than Declaration and Stone, it's not even funny. Actually, it is, because I I don't play white removal, but... I I get my fatal push!
0: Now, I did before the cast, actually earlier this morning, I went on the Magic Arena subreddit. Uh, I don't want to talk about this too much right now. If we have time, we can go into it more later. But I want to get an idea of, like, you know... Arena is mostly standard players, so let's get an idea of what they think about potentially Pioneer, because Kaladesh Remastered is you know, coming out in a, about a little over a week. Did that, you know, Kaladesh is coming out, and then the, obviously they're getting closer and closer to Pioneer. So I'm like, okay, what do you guys think of you know possibly playing Pioneer? Are you interested? Um, do you want to even play it in paper? If you're not interested, what can spark your interest? And this is about the fifth time I've gotten this notification because I posted it, so I get notifications of anyone comments, which we're at 230 currently. And uh this is like the fifth time someone going like, what the hell is Pioneer? And I find that so <laughs> funny. Every time I, I see find it, it almost sad. It's almost sad too. Like well, you Pioneer. gotta remember, you gotta remember it's it does not talk about that, does not speak to the popularity of the format i think that speaks far more to the fact that magic arena has become a more mainstream video game that's a lot of people's first introduction to magic the gathering and all they know is standard yeah all they know
1: is what's on the client
0: exactly so they click on play what they know
1: is everything that's on the right
0: exactly they're like modern what what's a tarbagoif
1: (laughs) Uh, it's
0: it's gonna pop up on historic anthologies. Just watch. Oh god! At least Arena, it's gonna be tracked, so
1: we don't need to bring our tharmo dice.
0: Hey, uh, how many cards you got in your yard?
1: How many? How many? The worst. How many card types? And you're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got a course with crew fix. That's two. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Ooh, nice doubles. Yeah, oh, I'm just so- gonna play a walking Ballista for zero to pump my tharmagoid. <laughs> And Pioneer players are like, what's a walking ballista? And I'm like, oh, yes.
0: Oh, no. No.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm so sad. Me too. So the last thing we wanted to get into, talking about being new to Pioneer, um, is how you start a
0: collection and how you budget. Um, yeah. Shall I kick myself? off? Sure. And we also mean when it comes to how we budget, not only budgeting for getting your more expensive cards, but obviously creating budget decks that you can eventually upgrade into the more competitive options. Yeah,
1: that is um, probably my most important one before just going into like what type of aggro, well, aggro, kind of giving it away. There's going to be a lot of aggro, but <laughs> what type of advice I give before us going into like specific archetypes. Buy a deck with an upgrade path. Now, this is only if you're really like you're tight on a budget and you want to think like, okay, I want to start playing now. And I've seen this deck online that is like 300 bucks. And I really like it, but I can't spend 300 bucks on it right now. And what I mean then by an upgrade path is what if you can spend 100 now? Can you get a reasonable basis for the deck and eventually upgrade your deck to make it a good deck? Because a lot of, I would say, traps people fall into when they get into Magic is they buy budget decks that are not that good and don't upgrade into anything. And you're thinking like, oh yeah, the deck's cheap. Yeah, but the deck's probably cheap because a lot of the cards are bad or very unpopular cards. And generally then, stores don't want them back. Right, If you buy a lot of bulk for like 25 cents, 20 cents each, you're probably not going to be able to get rid of that bulk. At least over here in the Netherlands, it's really hard to get rid of bulk.
0: Um, like, I, I, we I mean, I don't want to interrupt, but like, it's a little different here. If you're an American player, there are plenty of LGSs I'll go to where I'm like, hey, you buy in bulk? And they'll be like, yeah, every thousand cards is like 10 bucks.
1: Yeah, but like that's still a pretty bad deal compared to spending 25 cents on a card.
0: Oh say, yeah, but if, if if you're coming from a different format, and you're not brand new. I'm sure you have a lot of cards somewhere. My yeah, drawer is filled. With but cards. like when
1: I went into Magic, I bought a lot of cards, twenty-five cents, fifty cents, and I'd regularly go to my LGS, spend like eight bucks, ten bucks, five bucks, six bucks, right? Like every week, I'd go in and like spend a bit. But those cards ended up just old. I I still have them behind me. They're in boxes. They don't see play because they're bad. They kind of just take up space, and they're pretty hard to like turn back into money. So yes. it's actually a bad investment to play budget decks without an upgrade path. Obviously, if you love the deck and it's a blast, play it. I have a mono blue artifact control uh, artifact comboy power stone shard deck which has no upgrade paths, but it's like a twenty five buck deck, and I love playing it. Sure. But if you want to seriously have like a deck to stick to, stick to something that eventually becomes a good deck. Because that's the best investment. Yes. Now, what are those decks? Now, Brad just mentioned a deck I've been playing recently, which is uh, Ors of Humans. I'm going to see if I can quickly pull up a sample list. There it is. I found it on Goldfish, and it's currently, in, in paper, 196 bucks for the stock list, for the standard list. However, this deck is Orzolv, which means that it's white and black. But it plays almost no black cards. The main cards are Dire Tactics, as a removal spell is a 2 of four Thought three Fatal Push, and three General Kudrow. Now, I'm not saying that the deck is as good as it would be if it was mono-white. No. But I think it's like, Probably like 75-80% of the deck. Because first of all you could just replace Kudro with Banalish Marshall, and it's almost the same deck. So mm. already you're only going to be significantly different post-board where you don't have Thoughtseize. So that's already in a third of your games you're basically the same deck. And the mana base is about 60 bucks. So literally just cutting the mana base and going mono-white means you're at 130 bucks well but now i can't cast thought sure because you don't have black mana so you also cut the thought that takes off another 60 bucks now you're spending let me do the math correctly 80 bucks roughly on this deck and there is an eventual upgrade path into a legit tier one deck and meanwhile you're playing a good deck that's perfect yep. Um, Another one, speaking of the Orzhov colors, potentially Celestia colors, is Auras, which has, I'm not going to go over the entire deck, but it is literally the same case. It is almost a mono-white deck, but it's Orzhov for mainly Thoughtseize, some Fatal Pushes, Hateful Eidolon, but there are other one-drops you can play. You don't need the Hateful Eidolon. And aside from that, you could play mono-white, perform at like Eighty percent. That deck might even be better. It might perform at literally like ninety percent of how it normally performs. Yeah, you can can even cast Luris. Like you can even cast Luris in a mono white deck.
0: So yeah, Yeah, you borrow some inspiration from the Humans deck actually, because then you just run the um, the multicolor protection human in auras. That's a great option. You can run Stone Cold Serpent.
1: uh, Yeah, Stone Cold Serpent. You're talking about Soldier of the Pantheon. Yes, Uh, that's a protection for multicolor. Um, yeah, you've got that. You've got um, uh, favorite hot light, selfless savior, dryad militant,
0: which yeah. is actually you a little bit still... of graveyard hate, too. Like, yeah, it's a great, great deck, even if you go mono white. And uh, yeah, you got, and like you said, you have an upgrade path because if you want to go into the other colors and you want to be able to be like, I'm gonna take your stuff with Dotsies, cool. Every now and, and here's another great one. Now, sure,
1: they're both. White based aggro decks, but they are very different decks. I've played both, they play very differently. Ors of humans and Ors of auras pretty much share every expensive card. So yes. that even means if you are done playing Ors of humans, you want to play something a bit different, you can literally spend like 20 bucks and now you're playing Ors of auras because you own all the expensive cards. Yeah. Now, um, and this kind of leads into a point where I, I have talked about this before. We've done a live episode of the podcast. When you want to budget into a format, I generally recommend aggro decks because control decks are expensive because they are usually multicolored. They have a lot of mythics. Uh, they don't have good alternatives. Like, there's not a good alternative to Shark Typhoon. There just isn't. That's <laughs> a really expensive yeah. card. Uh, and it's a pretty vital card for the deck. Now, if you're looking at the Pioneer, hey, look at the top of the meta page, you're like, hey, Alex said that I should probably play a mono-colored aggro deck. I heavily recommend you don't start with mono-black aggro. And that's because you think you don't need Thoughtseize as much. You think you don't need Mutavolt. But those cards are so important for mono-black aggro, it's actually a pretty bad deck if you don't have them which, by the way, Brad's looking very confused, probably me too, because it's sunk to like 10th on the metagame page. So I had difficulty finding the list.
0: No, I'm, I'm confused because I was like, oh, what control decks could they possibly do? And uh, I was like, oh, let's check out Demir Control. Alex, this list is not running a single Thoughtseize.
1: I know. Some of these mirror Control lists are crazy. They don't run Thoughtseize.
0: Not even in the 75.
1: Heresy. Running zero Thought season in your 75.
0: Absolute heresy. For those of you who are still part of the uh, the new crowd who stuck around with us this long, when we say the 75, it's referring to the inclusion oh, yeah. of the main deck and the sideboard. The main deck is going to be 60 cards. Typically, you can go over that. The standard is 60 cards. That is the minimum you need. And for uh, you know variance purposes, you stick with that number because you have a higher chance of drawing what you want. And then you have a 15-card sideboard. So when we say they're not playing X card in the entire 75, it is the entirety of the deck, main and side included. Yes, good clarification. Um, So yeah, with Yorion,
1: you might hear people say the 95. If you watch Commander, people will say the 99. But if they say a V blah blah, they're always referring to the deck size. Yep. I've never heard someone say a card in the 40 when they're playing limited, but maybe people do.
0: Uh... I don't play enough limited to tell you. I don't play limited. Oh, you should. It makes you better at magic. I truly believe that. It probably does. I just really hate it. I love Uh, limited.
1: Limited's a lot of fun. So, now we've... I kept going. Monocolored aggro deck, monocolored aggro deck, upgrade into two colors. But Alex, what if I don't like aggro? Well, how about we go the literal opposite route and we play Lotus Combo? We've heard us you've probably heard us talk yeah. about this deck a lot and you've probably heard about or infamously heard about this deck if you are newer to Pioneer. The thing is with Lotus combo, it is a combo deck based on the card Lotus Field, but this deck is and this is chock full of cards that see play literally nowhere else. Like Hidden Strings, Strategic Planning, Sylvan Scrying, um pour over pages, peer into the abyss. Lotus field itself sees no play outside of this deck. Uh, just like Thespian Stage. So this deck has the downside that it just transitions into literally nothing else. Like you buy this deck and you want to buy a different deck, you're pretty much starting from scratch. Bar like a yeah. few cards. Where like the upside of like Ors of Humans to Ors of Auras is that the decks are very similar. You don't get that with Lotus Combo. But if you like playing on a reasonable budget, this deck is 140 bucks. So you're starting a bit. I know generally people value budget as like roughly 100 bucks. This is slightly over that. There are probably some cuts you could make, but.
0: Yeah, you could easily. Like, I look at the sideboard initially. Like, let's say you just go um, into. There are other game plans to go into uh, and other WinCons. One favorite win con for the deck is Omniscience, and uh, Ugin is a, just a nice tool to have. If you cut both of those, that's about forty bucks right there, and you're down to back to a hundred.
1: Yeah, and there's probably some janky two cards you can put in your sideboard that get you there, like ninety.
0: Yeah, and you, you can just you can just move, um, you can just grab Jace, or Mysteries, and or you can be the kind of deck that runs like a like one main deck uh, uh, Thassa's Oracle, like you have that ability.
1: Yeah, like you can figure something out, right?
0: Yeah. There uh, are generally,
1: builds. a nice way to go about this is: what if you find a deck that you think is really cool and is popular? There is probably a subreddit
0: or a Discord for it,
1: and yeah. there's going to be people there who know exactly what to do when you're on a budget.
0: Rest uh, in peace, uh, the Cathas Discord. There,
1: there is Discords and Reddits for almost every deck: Merfolk, Elves, which are some mostly not even relevant decks. Unless the deck dies like Kethis, then the subreddit probably does too. Oh, but
0: yeah.
1: most, most of the time, there'll be a Discord, there'll be a Reddit, uh, there'll be other online sources if people somehow don't want to do the popular things. But there's ways to go about it. There's places to find it. Uh, there's maybe even YouTube channels dedicated to archetypes sometimes. Jim Davis does Mock Monday, Nikachu is known for playing Merfolk. Uh, you'll find some way to budget it. And they've probably all done budget decks. There's a budget Mog Monday. There's a budget Modern Merfolk list uh, for Nick Chu. So fi- look there again. Use the internet. But I, the the main giveaway from all of this: find an upgrade path. MTG Goldfish has budget decks, and they are really cool, and they work but they don't always have good upgrade paths. They're more yeah. exciting, cool, like wacky combo consisting of two cards nobody ever plays. But when you buy those decks, you end up having cards that you will eventually not be able to get rid of. So those, that's just throwing away money, really, in the long run. Because you're not going to pick those... Like, just like what?
0: I was going to say just like the uh, Sphinx Tribal that I bought in Standard. Like that, yeah. Don't do that. Oh,
1: I bought way too many standard decks that were like, "Oh, fun budget deck and standard." And uh, I'm gonna yeah. blame uh Dev from Strictly Better MTG for that. He's made so many budget decks that I was like, "Oh, that sounds awesome!" And I bought it, played it three times, and then it
0: rotated. <laughs> yeah, I, I can only blame myself because basically I would sit there in the LGS, browse Scryfall, and be like, "Huh, that's a cool card." I'm like, I wonder if I can make a deck with this. And I just start looking at all the cards they're adding them to Goldfish. And I'm like, I just go up to the counter, hand them my phone. I'm like, these cards, please. And <laughs> I just keep doing that <laughs> over and over. <laughs> and because they're so bad cards and a lot of bulk rares, or in this case, bulk mythics, they're just like, yeah, we have 48 of these. And you're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'll take my $20 deck. And they're like... Would you like some sleeves? I'm like the Dragon Shields, please. I'm gonna sleeve this thing up in style. Yeah,
1: that's a big problem with budget decks. If you sleeve them, because sometimes the sleeves are half the cost of the deck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sleeve, sleeve,
1: and you're like, oh, this is a twenty bucks deck. Great, and then you buy sleeves and deck box. You pay twenty two bucks for those, and you're like, uh, wait, this wasn't this
0: wasn't so budget after all. But then you can at least be like this deck bad. Take out all cards. My sleeves good though. Sleeves going True. to good deck. And if you have things like dragon shields, oh, like I actually have um,
1: a... a another tip that you might be able to have. If you this is a this is a minor budgety one, but it can matter. Try and sleeve all your decks in the same sleeves.
0: Oh yes. Like uh, if just you don't buy... do katanas. don't do katanas.
1: No. Generally, katanas are not that great
0: and you Uh, can ask that's a that's a lie okay first off i think katanas are the best sleeves on the market hands down i like them better than dragon shields i truly do
1: what i wanted to say is because katanas have
0: had a print problem
1: so if you buy two different batches of katanas they can be different lengths yes and that's the same if you find kmc sleeves without like a golden brand on it that says new formula or something you're buying from the old batch, which had printing problems, so they were cut incorrectly sometimes. That's the yeah, problem with katanas. Sad. Yeah, and katanas have had that too. They had a printing problem. Um, so try and the buy best. them in the same. Seat. This becomes slightly problematic when you go to tournaments because if you. Have some sleeves that are slightly worn and some sleeves that aren't. That can get you into trouble at an LGA at a tournament because people are like, oh, your deck's marked, blah blah blah. Um, but if you played an FM, nobody cares. If you play casually, nobody cares. You're just protecting your cards. And a tip I can give these people. I was handed given this tip by a judge. When I buy like a bunch of sleeves to get a deck sorted, like to get my standards like black KMC sleeves. I tend to buy like 400 or 500 at the same time. And he said, what you do, you take all of them, you unpack them. And first of all, you check them. See, they actually look the same, but just in case, shuffle them. Try and randomize, mix them up because if you go to a tournament and you accidentally like forgot to change your sleeves or you thought it was fine, but you know, your opponent's a bit picky or maybe rightfully so picky because cheating does happen and you get checked by a judge, if all four of your thought seizes are in worn sleeves, they're going to think you've marked your cards. If four completely random cards are in quote-unquote marked sleeves because they're damaged, it's a warning, and they're just asking you to change your sleeves. So one gets you booted out of yeah. the tournament, one doesn't. So that's a tip I can, uh, I can give to everyone. I was given it by a judge, and uh, I'm sure it's going to save my butt, my butt at one point. Yeah, because I am super forgetful, so I have gone into tournaments being like, I didn't buy new sleeves, I didn't re-sleeves my deck. These look awful. I'm gonna have to quickly buy new sleeves. That's not my first. That's not my first rodeo. And then I come home with sleeves I don't use because they don't have KMC at the tournaments, and I'm like, guess I'm gonna throw these away. Well, leave these to like put bulk in.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have some Yu-Gi-Oh tins that are just filled with old sleeves, and I'm like, yeah, just in case, just in case. Oh I'm yeah. Gonna- the just in case, I have it too. I've never That's once like, even yeah. gone to that tin to actually use the sleeves though. Never no, in my s- life.
1: I'm a person that sleeves tokens, so I generally use them for that.
0: Oh yeah, but most of these are, stan- uh, are not standard size sleeves. A lot of these are Yu-Gi-Oh! size sleeves, so I'm just yeah, like, that, that I have work. zero use for these. Absolutely zero use. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Yu-Gi-Oh! sleeves are what, what are Smaller. called... um Yeah, the, the actual name of the sleeve size are called Japanese style. Uh, cards or Japanese style sleeves, which
1: makes yeah. me sad because Yu-Gi-Oh has some fantastic sleeves. Like there are yeah. even Yu-Gi-Oh. <clears throat> I've seen Yu-Gi-Oh sleeves that make it look like just the back is just a Yu-Gi-Oh card because the back of Yu-Gi-Oh cards look cool. It's like I so want to sleeve my Magic deck in sleeves that look like Yu-Gi-Oh sleeves.
0: But you can do that thanks to Dragon Shield's new customs card sleeve tool. You can get your wonderful new matte quality Dragon Shield sleeves that you get out of the box in any other way. But you can now customize them and upload your, OG, your own your Wait, GK. really? Really, 100%. I'm not even joking. I think, I, think, I think it's in beta right now, but you can upload any picture you want. Like Inked used to do. Yes, but But that was better print quality.
1: Is it actually going to be like the printing into the sleeve that they're doing now? Yes.
0: Yes. Um, I saw it a a while ago. It's in beta. I don't know if they're currently doing it or they're still testing it and it's like limited quantity kind of thing, but it It... is a thing that they announced a while back. You know how I said that I sleeve all my sleeves in the same thing and it's not going to be a thing anymore after that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 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 You're like, ooh, what pretty thing will I do for this deck?
1: Well, it's it's mostly that like, for like birthdays of like my girlfriends, like got me like sometimes art commissioned or made it herself, and it's all like these would make great sleeves.
0: <laughs> and and I was pl-
1: I was planning to do it, but then Ink stopped doing it, and now there and then there was no good way to do it. But if Dragon Shield starts doing it, then
0: yeah, Dragon Shield, like I, like I said, this was a few months ago they announced this.
1: So, I've I don't know if there's... <laughs> yeah, I, I was shocked for a little bit, so I thought, like, moving on. And my wallet is now just crying. It's like, Alex, you won't. Alex, you won't. Oh, you know and they're
0: going to be more expensive. And, there's going to be, and like, my, a 10 And my, like, and my head is here.
1: like, Alex, oh, oh, they're going to be printed in the US, right? And it's going to cost me, like, 30 bucks to get, like, a bunch of sleeves over here.
0: It's gonna cost thirty bucks for shipping alone, and then it's yeah, gonna be forty bucks oh. to
1: get the sleeves.
0: You're gonna
1: you're gonna eighty dollar yeah. sleeves. Maybe, maybe I'll wait till they do some printing in Europe too, if that will ever that be. Thing. A you
0: want pretty sleeves now?
1: Yeah, but Dragon, there. Hmm. Thinking. <laughs> you broke me, Brad. I'm moving on. My head's like spinning. Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Like, hey, my- you, want, you want to like,
0: sponsor us? Because I just gave you a, an amazing plug.
1: Like, my my brain is doing that thing now where you know they like the cliche where they pick flowers and it's like he loves me, he doesn't love <laughs> me, he loves me, and that's like oh, the, my the, the brain petals? right now is like yeah, the petals is now like buy them, don't buy them, buy
0: them, don't buy. You're them. gonna you're you're gonna buy them. You're gonna you're gonna drink one night because you usually don't drink. <laughs> And then you're going to be like dragon shield sleeves. And then you're going to buy them and you're going to really mess up on the customizing part. And it's going to be the worst quality custom <laughs> thing. Like where they're going to send you like they're going to send you an email afterwards and be like, are you sure this is are the right sure? design?" And you're like, yes, print it. And you get it in and it's like your design is like halfway on it and it's like cropped wrong and it's <laughs> cute. So the corner is actually halfway through the thing. So you have a blank sleeve on like of the sleeve, but it's in a weird, like almost boomerang shape of like the outline on the outside (laughs) of it while the picture is barely encroaching into the sleeve itself. And you're like, you know, this is a wonderful commemorative piece as to why I don't drink. So now you don't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you had the threat. I don't know if there's anything you want to add
0: uh, after this. I think we've covered most of the basics. Or going into the most recent thing we're talking about, because I'm we were I, talking about budgeting. Uh, and yeah, budget decks. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot I can think of. I mean, I, I would you. I mean, the only thing I can recommend is like if you want to go more than one color, um, you can probably do a deck similarly priced to like Lotus Field, but do like a blue white control, but have approach of the second sun be your main way of winning rather than going to like big fairy and like yeah, three that's fairy cool and stuff like to. that. Um, and hey, if you're listening to this a year from now. Maybe Three Fairies even less money because maybe it's banned in another format that is isn't Pioneer.
1: Or it's banned in Pioneer and then you don't need to buy it. Um, One thing that I would want to quickly touch on because we have had a similar conversation when we live streamed the podcast at the time and someone was like, should I buy into Challenger decks? And for a quick rundown, our general answer was no, aside from Vehicle Rush, I think. The Mardu Vehicle ones? is pretty good but even that is like medium they're generally a pretty bad deal you're buying a lot of bulk uh they were made like standard has been pretty powerful in the last few years and we haven't had them there's an is one with arclight phoenix but it contains one arclight phoenix which means you would have to buy four of them in able to get a complete deck so generally yeah. skip those and if you're very new to Magic, Planewalker decks are a no-no. <laughs> they are terrible. They are probably the worst product that Magic makes, Walker decks. Don't buy them. They are awful. Even for new players. Nobody should buy those. You got a free pack with it, though, which is, like, the only upside. But also, budget t- tip, quickly, don't crack packs. Buy singles your l g s yeah. doesn't like it if you want to support your lGs by buying some packs, like I buy a couple packs every set, like even I did in a pen like now during a pandemic when I like don't even play in the store, I'll like order a few packs when a set comes out just to support them, but not because I think it's good for my own wallet. It's effectively a donation yeah so with about fifteen minutes on the clock before I definitely have to. Cut it off for the night because I have to go to bed. Um, yes. so this was the part on getting into Pioneer. Uh, this was a new type of episode <clears throat> we wanted to make, something that like lasts because we've had a lot with like meta analysis and current decks, and like that's all no longer relevant. We hope this episode has like some relevance, like a year from now on. So if you have any feedback on it over the Discord, if we have a Reddit post, like on the Reddit post where we link to this podcast, please let us know. Do you think maybe like some structural things you want different, some things we said, some things we forgot, please let us know, because this is a new type of episode we hope to make every once in a while when there is like a quote unquote dull or less exciting time in the meta where we feel like we have the time to make an episode like this.
0: Yeah, which I mean. If we're in a position where this is a uh, a spot we can be in to actually make an episode like this, I think that would speak volumes to where the uh, the meta is actually at, and it's probably in a good spot. Again, ever changing metas are good, and we enjoy that. But it's nice to have a little bit of a, a stability in your format for a, a few, uh, like a, maybe a month or two, and you're like, yeah, I know the decks, and this is it, and there's not anything going on where you're like, this needs to be banned. It's especially because I think. Zendikar came out in
1: September. Uh, It tends to be that between September and January, at least to me, always feels like it's quite a long period where we have like a new set. So generally, if that period isn't stable, something strange. Like this should stabilize around the holidays always because it's just such a long period of time for people to figure out the format.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, But I mean, other than that, I think we pretty much covered uh, as much as we could. Uh, Obviously. For those of you who have uh, followed us on Reddit or have like been able to kind of keep track of us on Reddit um, or you follow myself or Alex on like other social medias or whether it's in the Discord or like Twitter, um, my Twitter, my social medias, everything is literally Bratzifer, B-R-A-D-C-I-F-E-R, across the board, Twitter, Reddit, even Xbox if you want to add me on that for some reason, all of it, Bratzifer um so i still have to make my own
1: uh magic related social media accounts also doesn't help that my name on Discord is just alex and if you want to make a twitter and just have the name alex yeah good luck with
0: that <laughs> uh yeah you can do um i'll probably do like i'll probably do something do boring
1: like alex the gathering or something and then at least people will be able to find me
0: or just do grixis alex
1: yeah i can think of some cool like i I think the best one is Patrick Sullivan, whose Twitter handle is just Basic Mountain. Yeah, like that's such that's such a good Twitter handle.
0: I mean, um, the guy, one of the other casters uh, on uh, MTG at Home, is named Jared. He's the modern caster, and uh, his Twitter is uh, John Jared. Very easy. That's cool. So, I mean, you can do something similar. Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything you can make that's uh, you know double A kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I,
1: I first thought of mixing Alex and Grixis, but then you get like Alexis or something, which is, isn't that like. Ooh, pretty. Is it, no, but. What's what's the program called you can talk to where you can like order things? On Alexa. Home? Yeah. Alexa. <laughs> that, that, that came to mind when I thought of that.
0: Alexa, order three copies of Nickel Balls, the Dragon God, please. <laughs> Again? Could you could you imagine if Alexa had access to your TCG account or whatever the equivalent is for you over there? I don't know if it's card market or not. Yeah,
1: card market generally. Okay.
0: But like well, I was that, saying, that for would, those That of would you...
1: be your problem with the drunk buying. You just shout at Alexa.
0: Alexa, buy this card. And then she's like, sorry, I don't know what the fuck you're saying. <laughs> so like I was saying... For those of you who have followed us on Reddit and things like that, please give your feedback. We appreciate it. Um, If you see me post on the Pioneer subreddit and I'm like, hey, new episode. This is what we're talking about. Leave your feedback on that episode or leave it on the next Reddit post. Or better yet, join the MTG at Home Discord server. The link is always in the description of the episodes. Bother myself. Both Alex and I are admins in the server alex is a half admin he's there for the sake of just uh organization and the ability to communicate with the server and give his input because he is a valuable asset but don't bug him about actual admin things he will not help you right. he'll hand you off to me yeah otherwise my, uh,
1: my under discord i have just a tag it's just like alex part of the admin team and then it immediately under my name says i'm actually an admin
0: but yeah, people tend to skip uh, that
1: So, I get asked with people, and I'm like, I don't know anything about this. Like, how does this bot, this bot doesn't work? And it's like, I don't know either, buddy. And then I have to forward them.
0: (laughs) It's a mystery to both of us. But if you look, if you look on the uh, Discord and you join, you can usually see when both Alex and I are online, because we'll pop up on the top of the feed for admins on the right hand side. So, you can always message us, hit us up, be like, yo, uh, what do you think about this deck? Send us your brews, whatever, or if you're coming to the Discord after listening to this and you're new to Magic or new to Pioneer and you want help, we'll gladly talk to you and do it that way, too, or play some games, test it. Like I said, we appreciate feedback for the cast. We appreciate just talking to us in general about Magic, or you can talk to me about sports. Maybe not Alex, but I, I like football. I like baseball. I like hockey. So if you want to talk about the uh, the Bucks, the Rays, the Lightning, and how we are the best city in the world, we're, we're really not. Tampa's actually kind of... Uh...
1: Not the I, best place. I studied geography for a couple of years. I can talk to you about lightning, but not the same lightning.
0: Tampa is the lightning capital of the world.
1: Oh, That's why our team name in hockey is the Tampa Bay Lightning. The oh. Lightning Capital. That is quite yes. a badass name to have.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of lightning here. <laughs> it happens a lot. <laughs> um, but like I said, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for getting through this entire episode. We hope that we've made some decent points or allowed you to have a better insight for you know Pioneer in general. If you're new to it, if you're new to Magic, we hope we've been of some help to you. And like I said, we are both available on the Discord or our respective social medias whenever Alex actually makes one. But like I said, <laughs> mine is Bradsefer. So hit me up. We'll figure something out. And otherwise, Alex, unless you have anything else to add, I think this is a good place to end and hopefully cry because it's election time, baby! We'll get there. Yay! Yeah, I think we had the the point about
1: the Pioneer coming to Arena, but that might be a thing we can talk about next week because we'll probably go on too long of a tangent and I will miss my meeting tomorrow morning. So let's not do that. Uh,
0: Meeting schmeeting. All right, thank you so much for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. See ya!